we play more prof, Brother Ali, Idea, and Atmosphere than any other station in the world, exclusively on FirstAvRadio.com. Back to the Caddy Swag Show live on FirstAvRadio.com. I'm Benny, he's Boz, entertainers, athletes, and smoke shows. That's what we do every Wednesday hump night right here on First Ave Radio. Tonight's featured guest has gone from getting kicked out of the house as a savvy teenager in New York to a self-made promoter, club mogul turned 20-year movie producer with such major motion pictures as Gotti, Clinton Road, and more. Give a warm caddy swag welcome to Mr. Noel Ashman. Noel! Noel, welcome to the program, man. Glad to be here. I love stories like yours, you know. This is uh, kind of a a Rudy-type situation, I guess. Maybe you don't look at it that way, but you're what? You're, you're, you're a kid that's backs against the wall, and you're kind of forced to find a way to make it, and uh, you turn your experience into gold. Tell me how this happened. Well, I was, uh, I guess I grew up very quickly living in New York, uh, and I was, as a very young uh, adolescent, was going out, I guess, more than I should. I wasn't a bad kid that didn't actually do drugs or anything like that, but I was just... Uh, you know, I like to be out and doing my thing. Uh, my mom, who I lived with at the time, didn't uh, think I needed to be out that late at age 12. Uh, so we went back and forth. <laughs> City that never sleeps. <laughs> 12. I was 12. Uh, so we kind of went back and forth. Um, and uh, one thing led to another. And basically, the idea was that I would choose kicking me out and thinking that I would reform and, I guess, come back. And say that, uh, you know, I'm sorry or whatever. And uh, at the time, I worked for a real estate company, a very big one. I was there as my after school job and summer job. It was, uh, and they owned half of New York at the time. So they had lots of apartments they weren't renting. So I went to my boss who liked me and he let me pay cash and gave, him a, gave me an apartment. So I moved out when I was right before my going into seventh grade. Wow. What? <laughs> In New York City. He, yeah, he, it, was, it, was, it was very strange, but uh, it was a baller move. But at this time, you were were you already making money from the promoter scene from do, throwing the parties around town? Yeah, you had to be seventh grade. Um, well, I wasn't yet. No, at that point, I was just I, I always worked very hard. I always had like an actual job, and I always had uh, a summer job. So I basically at that point was just working for this real estate company after school uh, on weekends and summer. So I had a little bit of money saved up, not a lot. And that's actually how I got into the club into parties because I needed to figure out a way to pay more than uh, my salary was allowing me to, because it obviously had a lot of expenses suddenly. So you basically, this whole thing was kind of a, to prove your mom wrong. If I'm not mis, if, if, if did I, do I, am I understanding this right? It's kind of like, I can't let my mom like see me fail. I'm going to make this happen. Well, I, it may be a little more complicated than that, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, basically I, you know, I didn't really have a choice. I had to do something. So I, you know, I, I was very independent. I mean, it sounds crazier than it probably was in effect in a sense that I was a very independent young kid. I was taking the subway to school by myself since I was probably eight, eight years old. Um, Damn. I, you know, I, my mom was, his uh, you know, with bottle service, you know, so. <laughs> 
<laughs> my mom was a single mother, so she was going. She actually went back to school, and she held down two jobs at the time. So I didn't see her much. I was basically you used to making my own dinner and all that kind of stuff. Okay, okay. So, so you did grow up fast. That. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I had to grow up very fast. Yeah. All right. So, and then uh, what was it? Shortly after that, like, how old were you when you started? Really, I know. I, you know, I've heard the story about like legendary stories about some of the early parties that you threw with thousands of people there. Um, like, I, what was this? Fourteen years old that you started throwing these huge parties? Uh, Thirteen, like right, uh, <laughs> right after my thirteenth birthday. Wow, <laughs> yeah. that's I, crazy. I sounds very. I know it sounds very strange. Um, I like yeah, the, your well, style, dude. Because in New York City at that time, this was, uh, you know, when you live in New York, it's not like living in the suburbs or something where everyone could go to a field and all hang out together or, or in a mall or whatever you might do. In, in New York, there's no, you know, when you're, you know, let's say 12, 13 years old, and you're too young to get into nightclubs and you're kind of too old to go to movies every weekend. You know, it's, it's kind of a weird age. So you're looking for something. Kids, yeah, so a lot of the kids that grew up just didn't, you know, they wanted to go somewhere, but we weren't old enough to get in the clubs. And what would happen is they would often have uh, parties, like whoever's parents were away, we'd all go there. And what was happening is houses were just getting trashed. I mean, you know, you know, uh, televisions being thrown out the window. I mean, it was completely trashed. <laughs> so p- p- parents got wise to that pretty quick and made sure they had like a babysitter or something staying in the house when they went away from the police officer yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> theft deterrent so um find out the prince of a bouncer it's obvious that all my friends needed somewhere to go so it started as literally we just one day i had an idea well hey let's let's you know rent a place and I rented this little sound studio that was on uh, in Hell's Kitchen at the time, which was a very bad area at that time in New York City. Um, and we, I rented a little sound studio that held like 300 people. And we're, we just, I remember we printed up 40 flyers that said Mid-Year Bash, $5, all the beer, all the beer you could drink. And I just rented kegs of beer. Uh, you know, my football team at the time was our security. <laughs> and... Uh, and I and we threw uh, our first party, and I remember we, I gave like one flyer. There were you know, literally flyers. I gave one to everyone, and they, like one to each school, like to friends of mine. At each <laughs> That's school. awesome. And I had no idea who was going to show up. And I remember it started at nine, and by about eight thirty, we literally had we estimated about fifteen thousand kids show up. <laughs> No fucking way. <laughs> oh yeah, we, actually, we actually closed down. Uh, it was on uh, 52nd Street and 10th Avenue in New York City. I don't, yeah, I don't know if you know what New York block is, but it's yes. pretty huge. We had an entire... I, it was on the fifth floor. So I remember looking down and seeing wall-to-wall kids all the way down to 9th Avenue and all the way down to 11th Avenue. They had to shut 10th Avenue down because there's so many kids, no one could get by, no cars could... Past. That's crazy. Uh, hard on MTV. It was yeah, one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And so we only got in like whatever was you know 250, 300 people that would fit, oh. and eventually got closed down. But I, it was pretty obvious that I had a, 
had a good idea in my hands. So that's where I started from there, kind of doing promotion. That's amazing. You know, I mean, see, you know that you're onto something, Boz. That's when, they, like, you got the magic touch, that Midas touch, right? So, like, who was his DJ for his first show? <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, let's fast forward a little bit because, you know, uh, what was it? Just this last year. And listen, I know that you've got so many stories of so many legendary parties that you've thrown. But this last year, you kind of threw a little party for yourself and actor Vincent Young, right? From Beverly Hills 90210. Yeah, me and Vince actually do our birthday together every year. Oh, you we've do? Done it for, yeah, we've done it for, I don't even know, uh, a long time. <laughs> oh, right on. Tell me about I, this I, year's. Uh, this is what let me think. This year, this year we did, what did we do it this year? I'm sorry, I'm sorry I remember now. So many parties. Uh, where, 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 where did we do this? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, I, uh, I don't know where you did it this year. My research department can probably find it for us, but I know that you always have like legendary guest lists. You and Vincent throw these parties, you know, or who are some of the people that you guys might have that come to a birthday party like this? Well, we often do it with other people too, depending on who's in town. Um, David Wells, a baseball player, has done it with me probably you know, 14 or 15 years in the last 20 as well. Um, so we, we, we have kind of a whole crew of us who do it. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's fun. It, it, it's, it's definitely one of the funnest parts of the year. We always go pretty, what time? pretty nuts. <laughs> so this year was at Marble. Marble. Yes, it was. It was. Yes. <laughs> okay. Right on. So it's all coming back to you now, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Do you remember uh, some like, I don't know, some of the, some of the, I don't know, some of the people that were at this year's party. Now that you remember that it was at Marble, you know, some of the people that were there. Oh, who's there? Let me remember this. Uh, well, David Wells was actually there this year, which was great. Unexpectedly popped in. Um, Rita nice. Cosby, the uh, TV anchor, was there. I remember. Nice. Um, Savion Glover, the uh, tap dancer, sure, and, uh, film star. Uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, nice. a bunch of models. And stuff yeah, like that. yeah bunch it, was, of it, was, it was definitely a fun. It was a fun party for sure. So, you, you know, you bring up David Wells, right? And I was hoping to kind of frame this up, Noel, as kind of, you know, like the Vice, uh, Vice Land does, like their party legends stories, right? Of the right. story <laughs> about when you and David were throwing the birthday party. I believe it was like his 36th birthday. It was like your 29th birthday or something like that. And the uh -huh. party happens to be scheduled the same night as a Mets game, who he's closing for at the time, right? And you guys are throwing the party at your club, Veru. Am I accurate I remember, so far? I remember it well, yeah. Yeah, right? So this one's kind of legendary, right? And he was set up to be the closer that night against the Blue Jays and was up three runs and only one strike away from ending the game. And then what happened? Well, actually, it's even funnier than that. He was actually starting the pitcher in that game. Oh, really? And, and did great. You know, he played amazing. And as I recall, they had the closer come in and then the closer gave up all these runs and tied it up. It, it, it was like an easy win. They had, the closer came in and ended up giving up runs. They tied the game. And then went extra innings. It went extra like four or five innings. <laughs> so, so he was literally in the – in the like I was right uh, in the locker room. He was literally trying to come to where I was. But if he had literally stepped foot in, uh, out of the locker room, he would have been – find some huge amount of money so he's sure. really looking he's dressed and ready to leave and we're looking at each other like you gotta be kidding me but he just um, couldn't end fast enough 
Oh yeah, it was, it was literally a show. And it, the funny thing was, we had a uh, a writer from the Times who was following us that night. Oh nice. So he's like he's like writing all this while we're I, I'm sitting like having a heart attack because everyone's calling me on my phone. We're here. Where are you? We were supposed to get to the club at around I think it was you know ten ten thirty, and you know it, it, the game didn't end until like one fifteen in the morning. Oh so we literally God. had three hours of just sitting oh. there like idiots, and we literally could not leave. And everyone's like, "Where are they?" It was like, oh, yeah, I remember that night. It was one of the little stressful nights of my life. So yeah, I right. I know. I heard that you were getting calls like, "Hey, Lauren Michaels is here. Sarah Jessica Parker is here. Kato fucking Kaylin is here." Oh yeah, I remember. And what was horrible? You know, they're all waiting for us. You know, it, it, we literally didn't get there. I, I don't believe until about almost two in the morning. By the time, because it was in Shea Stadium in Queens, so we had to once even once he got out, we had you to then you know, get, get there, loser. which was going through a lot of traffic. So yeah, it was it was just crazy. I mean, everyone waited for us, and so we got there. Half the people when we got there gave us a hug and left because they had to get up you know, whatever they were doing the next day. Yeah. So it, it was, yeah, it was, it was yeah, a really homework. frustrating night. They were kind of waiting for you guys to get there so they could do their, you know, pay their respects. And then they're like, hey, sorry, you guys went into 14 fucking innings tonight, but, you know, happy birthday, right? Exactly. Yeah. It was, it, it, and it was, it was one of those nights that was just like, you gotta be kidding. Me. Do you remember? What? Oh, sorry. No, it was also his first game back because he had been traded. To the Blue Jays that the year before, uh, that you know, uh, a couple months before that. Oh, so this was the first. It, it only was our birthday, but it was really his return to New York. Oh, so there was all was, kinds. Was, yeah, it was just it was particularly annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my research department tells me that in the limo on the way over to the party, that David said something to you to the effect of "We're the last of the Mohicans." What do you think he meant by that? I think he meant that we were going to be uh, celebrating our birthday by ourselves. <laughs> Everybody else was going to be gone, right? On. Yeah. It's also been implied that you refined nightlife for Dave Wells in like. You know the um, I don't from what he the way he used to experience nightlife before Noah Ashman and then how he experienced nightlife after Noah Ashman. Can you tell us about that transition? It's funny when I, I met Dave through a friend of uh, a mutual friend of ours who's actually a producer, uh, a Hollywood producer kind of guy. He always said that you know you and Dave will be best friends. You have to meet him. And it was, uh, for years I would hear this. And the funny thing is, I'm not a baseball fan at all. I, I had no idea who David Wells was at the time. I was, you know, I'm a big football fan. But I've never, I've never cared about baseball. You know, I played football and I, I follow football. Sure. Uh, so, but, so, you know, he kept saying David Wells. I, I had no idea who he was. Right, this right. was back in like maybe 92 or 93 when he was playing for the Tigers, way before he came to the I don't give a fuck. Uh, so I, so yeah, so basically, you know, years went by. I'm always saying about the David Wells guy. And finally he calls me and says, you know, we're all having dinner downtown. Why don't you come and, uh, and, uh, hang out with us? So I'm like, you know, all these years we hear about the guy, I might as well go show up. So I go to the dinner and I sit down. And there's this big, you know, big muscular guy sitting next to me. So I'm like, that must be David Wells. So I start talking to him and he's kind of a jerk. So I'm like, all right, 
you know, screw this guy. So I started talking to the other guy next to me who I thought was hysterical, kept cracking jokes, big fat guy. And uh, <laughs> we're going on and on. And he's fascinated by what I do. This is way before I owned my own club. This is when I was still a promoter at clubs. I was still uh, doing stuff like that. Right. So he's like, he's fascinated by what I do. He's like, so you get paid to throw parties. That's so cool. I mean, so we're talking for hours about it. And finally I asked him, you know, well, what, you know, what do you do? And he gave me a very, everyone around the table is looking at me like I'm crazy. He gives me a very strange look. And he says, I'm a pitcher. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like, do you play in one of those leagues in the park? Because I'd love to play sometime. Do you have any extra guys? <laughs> <laughs> and he looks at me like I have two heads. I was he goes, I'm David Wells. I'm like, no, you're not. That's David Wells. You know, you can't be game well. He was like a balding, you know, big, you know, big, you know overweight guy. Right. And so he shows me his uh, driver's license. And I still think he's Joe. I, I still think he's kidding. And then he shows me his MLB. You know, it took him twenty minutes showing me the MLB ID and all. Just finally convinced me it was actually him. Uh, and from that day, from that day on, we, we, we were just best of friends. I mean, he's, he's just one of the most amazing guys you'll ever meet. That's amazing. <laughs> we got. We have some questions here for you, real quick. So, Noel, I don't know if you know, we're in Minnesota, and he's legendary, David Wells, for throwing a perfect game against the Minnesota Twins, but he's more famous because he was hung over. <laughs> were you with him the night before? Ah, uh, well, I hate to, I hate to uh, <laughs> I, I actually think, I, I know that the whole story was from his book, and I actually think he got the days confused. <laughs> uh, he was drunk. I hate to be the one saying it. That I was with him actually the day before. He actually wasn't drinking the day before the perfect game. But he did. Everything he said was true. It just That was before his World Series game against the Padres. Okay. All right. Well, see. It's from, so, from, from my memory, I can always be wrong. No, they, you were drunk that, too. That's what I remember. We appreciate the insight. You know, it's nice having a little bit of no. Actually, it was like this. I was fucking there type stuff, you know? <laughs> So, hey, well, you want to know how to get into one of your birthday parties. I've heard that, you know, people wait and try until, like, the you know, want to experience what a Noel Ashman birthday party is like. Is there, like, a, a certain way that we can get on some sort of a wink, wink, and a nod list for one Noel Ashman birthday party? I'll absolutely put you on the list for it, sure. Oh, see, Boz, I told you he would let us on the list. We're going to have to stand outside for two hours. <laughs> no, no. We'll get you right in. <laughs> All right, yeah, man. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks, you. Thanks, I appreciate it. You know, I I know that you rub elbows with like hundreds of notable names. I'm talking about huge names from the A-listers. You see them with, you know, into the B and the C list. You know, is there a couple of besides David Wells? Who you would consider like notables that you kind of you know uh, you maybe somebody like uh, a David Wells, but in the more of the acting industry or Hollywood industry that you maybe didn't expect to uh, strike up such a friendship with that you've really become close with. Oof! I mean, there are a lot of them. Just tell me who you who you want to know about. I mean, <laughs> hang on. Well, here we go. Are you uh, are you still tight with Chris Noth? Yeah, I love Chris. Chris is one of my very dear friends. He was actually a partner of mine in one, one of my clubs. 
yeah, just absolutely sweetheart of a guy. You know, and it seems like you and Ice T really have kind of. I mean, maybe it's just what I see on social media. Like you guys kind of have a common bond. You and Ice T kind of still homies. Absolutely, I actually just did my second movie with Ice. Um, I, I produced him in two movies in the last uh, year and a half, actually. Um, one was called Clinton Road. Yep. Which was with him, uh, with Ice-T and Eric Roberts and uh, Vincent Pastore from Sopranos and uh, Bo Deedle and a bunch of people. And then we did one that we just wrapped literally a week ago called uh, Three Days Rising, which was with uh, Ice-T Ice actually produced with me and starred in uh, alongside uh, Mickey Rourke. Um, Vincent Young is in that, actually. Bo Deedle's in that. Uh, Frank, Frank Whaley. Uh, a whole, a whole kind of host of uh, actors in that one. Uh, when, when is this? This has the whole Edgar Allan Poe background to it, right? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. A friend of mine, this guy who ended up directing it, uh, Craig Nikowski, had approached me with the script, and uh, they it was kind of he wanted to do a feature. It was his first feature. And he had the script uh, that was based on Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe's The Fall of the House of Usher. And I, when I read it, it was just, it was so cool. You know, it was kind of like a modern day interpretation of it. And so I had a, I have a couple of the movies that I was supposed to jump on pretty quick, but I actually moved my whole schedule back and did this one first. I, I, I loved it. It was just it's such a cool idea. And I, I brought it to Ice and he loved it. So he decided he produced it with me as well as uh, starting. And I, it went amazing. It's amazing. And it's really, it's, I, I actually can't wait for people to see it. You know, I, I believe it, and I love this, you know, it's see, I don't want to say that, like, kind of horror film, films are going to be your niche or anything like that, but you've been very productive with them, out, you know, out the gate. Coming off of the heels of Gotti, right? And I want to circle back around to Three Days Rising here. Um, but, you know, I, I, the, the horror thing, like, hey, listen, you guys are, are nailing it right now. And I love the chemistry that you and Ice kind of have going and producing stuff like this. Um, mm -hmm. How did you guys end up working together? You remember how you and Ice met to begin with? Uh, we met years ago. I mean, it must you know, over 20 years ago, I would imagine. Um, he's come to all my clubs um, back in the day. I, yeah, I owned uh, a place called Veruca. Which is actually the same club where we we had the uh, birthday party, Dave Wells, the Dave Wells Christmas <laughs> party. Yeah, um, so I think I met him there. But he also had another club that owned called the Plum, which was at the old Nell Space on 14th Street, which I owned for a long time. That was a bigger club. Brook was very small. Uh, okay, Plum was a, a much bigger one. So we we'd have live performances and stuff all the time. But he used to perform a, a lot at my old club. So we, you know, we, we got tight that way. He, you know, he's, I see he's just honestly a sweetheart. Just a great guy. Just a really down to earth, no bullshit, you know, straightforward, uh, good hearted person. And he's great to work with. He's, he's so talented. I love how these guys like him, Dre, uh, Ice Cube, right, have taken, sure. um, you know, and, and shown people that you can bring talent like from the street like this and turn them into. I mean, the God, there's just so much that they can do across so many different media spectrums. It's just absolutely insane. No question. I mean, you know, when rap first came out, you know, it was such a niche 
thing, you know, very few, you know, I, I, I was into it right away living in New York. Um, and I was also back then when I was a little kid, I was into breakdancing, believe it or not. So I, was sure. very yeah. I was in that, I was in that scene very early sure. in New York city, but you know, it, it didn't, certainly didn't get popular until at least, you know, run DMC, I think is when it started coming out in the BC boys and some of that. But yeah, you don't realize I, I you know, I see was such a pioneer. In, in the rap, you know, he really was. He was the first West Coast rapper for sure, and the yeah. first real gangster rapper. Yeah, which was interesting. You know, he was before NWA and all those other groups that came along afterwards. Oh hell yeah! So, so yeah, I mean, Ice is you know he's a pretty phenomenal guy. I mean, he's just he's this guy who's kind of been successful in everything he's done, and he's done so many. You know, he has a you know he's a hard rock group called Body Count. Yep. Which I feel you know he has his rap career, he has his TV career, he has his movie career. He has his, you know, uh, media career and reality shows. I mean, you know, he's just such. He's, I mean, he's brilliant. He's a you know, brilliant guy. And but what's cool about Ice is he's just such a down to earth, nice guy. You know, he's a real no bullshit kind of guy, which you don't always get in Hollywood. But he's one of those guys who's really. Just a sweetheart in every way. Hard to find, you know. You hate to use the term unicorn for dudes, right? <laughs> but you know, it seems like you know, he sounds like he's just—he's one of those guys that you just kind of you want to gravitate to. Want to circle back around though to uh, to Gotti for a second, right? Sure. You're executive producer on the film, is that right? Correct. Travolta smashing, right? I mean. Holy shit, you know, I mean, you had started in the film production industry, uh, what, 18 years before? And then had you and John had any interaction before, before the film or was uh, was the film kind of the first time that you had interacted with John Travolta? No, I, I had uh, hung with him a bunch of times before that. We actually did a, uh, he had did his premiere party for his film, um, Oh, I'm gonna forget the name of the film. The one he did about the uh, subway train in New York. Oh, it's eluding me right now. Anyone? Uh, anyone? Yeah. It, we'll he, get uh, it. She, Taking of Pelham one two three. That's it. Yep. That, that was the one. You guys are good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. He Huge did, Travolta he fan. He he did his premiere for that at uh, my old club, the Plum. Okay. So I met him. I certainly hung out a lot there, and I met him. He, he came to my old club, Maruka, a bunch of times. So I know him a little bit, but uh, yeah, you know, for God, it's funny because he was just like the perfect person for that. I, I don't know who else could have done it, to be honest. Yeah, no, I don't either. They uh, whoever did the casting absolutely nailed it. Um, you know, it's funny though, and I watched the movie, and then once we uh, we booked you for the show, and I started kind of thinking back retroactively, and I know that you've done a couple of other cameo spots, if you will, right, in some of the films that you've produced, and just kind of being a New York guy, and kind of having like you know that that I don't I don't want to how do I say this? It seems like they could have found a like a, a scene for you to pull off in that movie it was your opportunity <laughs> how did that not happen i'm just it seems like it could have happened you understand what i'm saying right sure i mean i don't, i'm not you know <clears throat> excuse me um i'm not trying to be an actor it's never been an interest of mine i, I love actors and i love the whole thing uh, yep i'm not talking about but being I, a star and actor i'm talking about 
one scene in a fucking wife beater with a fucking velour jumpsuit on and you know what i mean it's like yeah three chains yes a couple chains on eating some spaghetti in the background and Pinky just uh, ring. how'd you hey, know what he was wearing a little right something now? in the sauce type it's thing a one cannoli. Line, a little cannoli. cannoli you know what i mean yeah yeah no, i mean you see i mean you know that one did, there wasn't really something that you know it's not something that i really push it's, the director likes me you know if, so, if someone approaches me to do something okay i'll usually do little cameos but most of the stuff i've done are more you know cameos and kind of fun things i like to do things you know with, with friends i don't really you know I, acting is not important to me it's something i do very much as like a side thing sure fun. so what you're saying so it's, it's yeah, in I mean, the I, sauce i'm not really I, 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 I didn't want i didn't want to mess up uh John uh, John's flow, you know. Sure, <laughs> yeah. With, with, with the amateur actor next to him, you know. I want to keep it uh, keep it easy for him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame I don't blame you at all. Before we start <laughs> to uh, move off uh, here, kind of curtail things. Uh, do you have any legendary stories from like you know? I know that you've done the mecca of all things nightlife and first of all how do you how do you keep nightlife fresh after doing it for as long as you have how do you how do you reinvent nightlife for decades i mean it's hard and it changes a lot for sure from you know when i came into it it was just completely different than what it is now um and you have to adapt. I mean, that's part of what I do. You have to kind of see what people want, and you have to see what not only what they want now, but what they're going to want two years from now. And then you have to kind of uh, set up to do that. So for me, it's always been, uh, you know, having the, you know, when it comes to owning clubs, which is, you know, I haven't really promoted in, you know, a long time, you know, 30 years or something. Even a right. long time I've done that. But as far as owning clubs, you have to really, you know, you have to have a quality place, the right location, the right size to deal with the what you have coming. Um, and so, you, you know, there are a lot of things you have to say. You have to see what people are going to want, what the trends are, and what people are going to want. I mean, I try to have most of my places not be ultra trendy. Most of them are pretty, um, I like to call them classic Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. most, of the design, most of the designs in each of my clubs and stuff are not usually, you know, the trendiest thing. It's more a classic something thing that could last a long time. Like my club, Ruka, went, all, you know, almost 10 years, yep. which is a lot for New York. Yep. Um, but the crazy thing about that place is it could have gone another 20. Right. Uh, but unfortunately, we were in a very residential area of Soho. And we were getting sued by everybody in the whole, <laughs> by the Soho board, by the community boards, by the condo boards, by everybody. Because we, we, you know, we unfortunately we were a victim of our success. Yep. It, it cut, because it was so small, it only held like 250 people at a time. Sure. So we would literally be turning away three or 4,000 people a night. And that's not always the easiest thing to do because people sometimes get angry when they don't get in and make a scene. Well, they loiter around and they've already been drinking. They try to show up and do you know who I I am? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know who I? You know who my dad is? Yeah. Caddy Swag, come right in. Now, I mean, I, 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 I feel you, man, and I just, you know, I'm just like, holy shit, this guy's been doing it for so fucking long, but you, you know, you've kind of seen it all. Do you have any of those legendary stories, though, from like, ah, God, from just a, a party that maybe got out of hand and say somebody died and they didn't want to, you know, uh, they didn't want the party to stop, so they threw him in the cooler or, you know, some shit like that. <laughs> 
Wow. Uh, yes, you tell me which ones you want. I mean, I soaked with so many stories. Just give me like one or two that you can kind of, that you don't mind throwing out there. You know, just a quick one. Oh, wow. You got You're a spot here. Uh, no, yeah. I mean, and we don't have to if you don't want to. But I'm like, oh, remember that time that uh, such and such had the whatever, whatever, and then da-da-da happened? Oh, let me think of a good one. Um, hmm. Well, I mean, it, one go of, ahead. One of, one of the craziest ones I think I've ever done was when me and Mark Wahlberg threw our birthday party together. Okay. And that, okay. That, 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 was a, that was right when I, uh, soon after I had opened my club, Veruca, which was my first club. So I definitely... Uh, Wanted, you know, it was the first one that I actually owned, so I wanted to really push it. This is when I was like 26 years old. So I, we, I, I had asked him, you know, our birthdays are pretty close. He doesn't usually like doing a lot of club stuff, but he was like, yeah, I'll do it for you, no problem. So we did a, we blew it out. He, he, you know, he called everybody he knew, and we just had it out there everywhere. And I remember that we had so many thousands of people out front that, like, the whole neighborhood was just inundated with people. It was, it was so many people, <laughs> but they, but it was cool because the cops actually liked him, so sure. they, didn't, they didn't bother us. That's <laughs> really yeah. yeah. ah, it's Mark. But, yeah, yeah, like ah, you know, because yeah, it was right, right after he had done, uh, right when I think Boogie Nights was coming out, so he is he had a lot of steam on him at that point, but. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely one of the great parties. I mean, just anyone from Hollywood you could imagine was there. Sure. Like everybody. Yeah, that was uh, right as he was just blowing the fuck up. Absolutely. No, he's, a, he's a brilliant guy. A brilliant yeah. actor. I, I always knew he would be, uh, you know, absolutely huge. I mean, it was, it's, as an actor, you way before he even started acting, I knew he would be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have... Uh, uh, Twitch question that came in and said that uh, want to know if you're associates with Emmett Randall and if you do, what did you think of their beef with fifth with uh, the beef with fifty? Ooh, yeah, the hard ones now. Uh, yeah, Randy actually is funny. Uh, I've been friends with Randy since I was sixteen years old, um, and it's funny how I met him. He was actually my assistant for many years. Really? Uh, when he was when he was in college, yeah, when he was in college. He, he used to uh, he, he would uh, he worked here for many years and then he left to go to LA and he got a job with uh, Mark Wahlberg and he was his assistant for a long time and then the first movie he ever did he came to me and said you know can you produce the movie with me and that was uh, a movie called Speedway Junkie oh, and I, yeah. had no idea, I had no idea what it was a gosh Gus Van Zandt executive produced it with us and I had no idea I had never even thought of producing a movie at that point. This was and your like, first movie that you had produced and the first movie that Randy had produced. Correct. Okay, go ahead. And and so he, uh, he's like, look, you know, you, you, I, you, I'm like, I don't know what to do. I've never, I've never done a movie. I'm a club guy. He's like, dude, it's the same skills. <laughs> You're going to be great at it. Just trust me. So I did it with him and uh, I, I did it. He was right and I loved it and the skills were almost identical which was interesting. And, uh, that's how I started. That uh, it was his first movie too, and you know we've been great friends ever since. And uh, I didn't do as many movies. I, I did a couple indies through the early two thousands. Um, a movie called Mind the Gap, a movie called Never Again. But I didn't do uh, a lot because I was I got so inundated with the club stuff. 
you know, when you're doing the club stuff as hard as I was, you know, I'm doing, you know, having clubs almost like having a kid. Sure. And most of the clubs I've done are really, you know, dependent on me being there a lot. Hands you know, on. I have to constantly see it. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I really have to be there five, six nights a week. Yep. So I just don't have a lot of time to do, you know, big movies, which also take a lot of time. So I was doing, you know, one every two or three years, just whenever something came that I particularly liked. But at, when I closed my last club, which was a club called the Leonora, we closed it in uh, 2000, I think it was maybe two years ago or something like that, I believe. I was kind of, you know, I was a little burnt to have been clubs my whole life. So yep. I, uh, I ended up... Um, What's the I did up? I said, you know, let me take movies seriously because I had never really done that before. Um, where I really focused on my movie stuff, I had always been, you know, focused on the club stuff. Movie was like my extra thing. So I've in the last, you know, two years or so, I've been doing really just movies and you know, some events and some stuff on the side, but mostly the movies. And we, you know, we did so many in such a short period of time that you know I, I really enjoy it. So now I'm going to hopefully be able to do both. You know, we're looking at other spaces for a club sure. now. So I'm probably do that again, but um, yeah, I really enjoy the movies. So I, I definitely plan having at least fifty percent of my time devoted to uh, films. So you don't want to comment on the question? Oh, no, no. It was just about the, the that you were, you know, that um, you and Randy are associates or whatever, and like the whole fifty beef came out where he was basically cyber bullying him because of a loan that had gone bad or something to that effect, right? Correct. Because yeah, you I'm probably know sure. 50 as well, right? New York guy? I do. Yeah, I mean, I, I know Randy obviously much better. I mean, Randy's one of my very close friends. Sure. Um, who I do, I do a lot with. Uh, you know, 50 I know more casually, but sure. Yeah. Um, Unfortunate situation. It, I, the, the question just had come in. Do you have a comment on that? Just kind of knowing that you and Randy were kind of associates. I mean, I don't really have a comment. Look, I think that. You know, business, one of the things with business and friendship is it gets tangled sometimes. And, you know, Randy and 50 were very close as friends as well as business uh, partners on things. And I think things get screwed up. You know, I, I, you know, my personal opinion is, you know, might have been nice for it to be handled more privately on, yep. on, both, their, on both their ends. Uh, you know, I, I always hate to see something being, you know, dragged out in public. Yeah, um, well put, well put. But you know, look, I, I think I, I, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, as I said, fifty, I know more casually. He always seemed like a good guy to me, but you know, I don't know him the same as well. Okay, you know, Randy, I've, Randy, I've known him, you know, have majority of my life, and he's it, a very good guy. You know, someone who I uh, have a lot of respect for. He doesn't owe you any money. He does not hold me in front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just fucking around now. You know that. But you know what? It seems like film production has been like a really good natural fit. And like you said, hey, if you can do the club thing, you know, like as well as you, like you see the parallels in the business of being a movie producer and, you know, uh, being a club owner, club promoter, you know, uh, type thing. And it just seems like with your background, like, Damn, it was just meant to happen the way that it has. And speaking of movies, I've heard rumors that there could possibly be a film in the works based on your life story. Do you care to confirm? <laughs> yeah, I've been approached by a, a lot of people to do that, actually. Because, um, you know, just I have such a bizarre yeah. story you yeah. know, coming up and... Uh, you know, I, I I don't even know if you know the, the whole history of my thing, but I had a you know, very crazy you know, in my teenage years and early twenties some very crazy stuff you know coming up. Like what? 
Oh, God. I mean, uh, well, it was one of the interesting things for me was, you know, a lot of the, I grew up, um, you know, my, 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 my father was pretty well to do, but had left my mom. So I, I never got any, you know, benefit of who my father was at all. Okay. Um, so I grew up kind of very poor, you know, I, sure. I, uh, you know, we didn't have anything. So I, you know, I, you know, I never even had, uh, stake in the house till I was, well, basically I moved out, I think. Basically. Didn't, have, didn't have what in the house? Even the steak. You know, we always have chicken or hamburger meat. Oh. We couldn't afford steak. It was like one of those things. Got it. Got where, it. Where, you know, I, you know, we just grew up in a, it was very tough. So my mom was going back to school. She was working very hard, did not have a lot of money. But it was weird because my father did pay for my prep school. So I went to school with, you know, kind of the richest kids in the world. Um, you know, the sons of billionaires and, you know, celebrities and stuff. Damn. So I, I was, but I was always kind of like the kid who had nothing. You know, all my friends are getting like private planes and all the stuff. And I was, you know, lucky if I got money for a cab. So it was, it was hard. So growing up, and so when I started doing the events, a lot of the people that would come to my events were very notable, even though they were very young at the time. So even um, though that you weren't getting the monetary advancement, you were getting the how do we say it? Like right, you were getting the you still had the 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 notoriety when these people would show up to your events. Correct. But what was funny is back then most of my friends you know, the first couple schools I went to, I was the only white kid in the whole school. So okay. and one of them was actually in Harlem, and this is back when that was, Harlem was a very, very dangerous place. Sure. So most of most of my friends were more, were, were you know, drug dealers and gang members back growing up. Street smart. And, I like it. But then, but then I'm put in a situation where I'm in school with you know the Kennedys, and, <laughs> you know the creme de la creme. So it was a real culture shock for me. But it really, I think, helped me in what I do for a lot of reasons. You know, I think I grew up. More as a street kid, even though I lived in a very, you know, prestigious, nice building. You know, I certainly, you know, my mom, my, my mom had a great apartment because my father moved out of the apartment we lived in. But I just never had any advantages of that other than living in a nice place and having a name people knew. But other than that, I was pretty much a street kid growing up. You know, I would go out and I would, you know, play, I would play video games. I would, you know. All my friends, you know, so we go to Times Square in the middle of the night, back when Times Square was quite dangerous. Uh, as I said, most of my friends were much older than me, and they were kind of drug dealers or gang members. So I really learned, you know, that part of life very quickly. And I, it really taught me a lot. And it really showed me, um, you know, a lot about how, you know, the poorest of the poor live. And it really gave me a lot of lessons in life, which I hold very dear. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's interesting how life works out like that, isn't it? It absolutely is. Yeah, I mean, at the time, you know, I mean, I certainly could have been killed many times. I'm pretty sure. lucky I'm still alive. Yeah. Um, I was actually very lucky with most of the guys I grew up with back then. Even though it's funny, even though a lot of them were, you know, gang members and drug dealers, they always look out for me. You know, they never let me get into anything bad. I never yeah. got involved in any kind of drug dealing or any kind of gang stuff. They, they kind of kept their lives very different. Yeah, um, and really looked out for me, and really saved my ass many times. I, w I wouldn't be alive if it weren't for a lot of them right now. Isn't that cool, um, man? I fucking love so that. Yeah, and that's yeah, what, was, yeah. that's what make it such a great movie, though. You know what I mean? And so I hope that this thing will see the light of day at some point because you know 
it is such an interesting story to tell and it's things that you know uh, you 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 see and experience things that are pretty much unheard of in common day what would be considered you know normal common day like i know uh, a 12 year old doesn't get their own apartment uh, in 2020 sure yeah no it definitely was a lot of things that i experienced were things that could never happen now i mean mm-hmm. even going to clubs you know, i remember the first club i went to when i was 12 was <laughs> was actually studio 54 but it was a late, it was a later incarnation of Studio Four. wasn't the original with Rebel. Okay, I was way too, was way too young for that. <laughs> but I, it, was, it was a later incarnation of it. But it was still amazing, you know, sure. twelve years old and, be, and to be there and to see it and you know just remembering what it was like is amazing. Yeah, but you know, you know, back then twelve year old kids could get into clubs. You know, that would never happen now. No, no, but isn't it funny it though? How sometimes either <laughs> you you find like you, you like a smell or something that reminds you of that club when you were twelve yeah, years weed. old, and it takes you right back to that spot like immediately. Oh, absolutely! Well, I mean, I'm a real um, student of nightlife. I, I love the whole history of New York. Yeah, and the whole, and the whole history of nightlife. You know, I I I you uh, just uh, you know going back to. All the previous clubs, I really study it. And when I do a club, I always try to bring in elements of, of old clubs, you know, the Stork Club or Fuck El Morocco yeah. or, you know, I actually was lucky enough. I don't know if you even know this, but I actually reopened Studio 54 very quickly back in the year 2000. No shit. Um, so you opened up back in 2000. And how long did you have that one open for? Well, it's a funny story. Um I went to college with a guy whose family owned uh, the building. Really? So they they approached me and they were like, you know, we want to reopen it as a nightclub. So you know, can you come and talk to us? So I went, and you know, it's such a cavernous space. It holds you know five thousand, six thousand people in there. And I realized that that would never work in today's world. You know, back in the seventies when it was great, you know, you had people going out on a much different level. Sure. It was before before AIDS. It was before. You know, people with no drugs were bad for you. People just thought cocaine was a natural substance that was fine. It was really so, you know, there was just, if you were doing drugs, having sex, it was just a whole different thing. And, you know, everybody would go, you know, you had 80 year old women who'd go out. You know, everyone would go. And the world is just, you know, post AIDS and post, you know, all the, you know, all the drug issues everyone's had because of that, actually. Um, you know, you don't get that kind of volume. Right. What I told him is, look, if we could cut the space down and make it like a 300 or 400 person space, in other words, you see the little section of it, which is what we ended up doing, I would do it. But it was a funny story because they, um, they were using the Studio 54 name, which I knew they did not have the trademark for. Oh, really? Because I know I know this, the Vegas ones have the trademark for that, yes. At, at this point. So I was like, you know, how are you going to handle that? They're like, oh, you know, we'll handle it. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well, you know, put, put that in writing. <laughs> I, had a, I had a good lawyer who got all that in writing. Uh, you know, they're very well, they own most, you know, a lot of real estate in New York, so they have a lot of means. Uh, so we opened it, and sure enough, we got a lawsuit about four months later for a lot of money that I was named in and they had to cover me and I ended up getting bought out. It was fine. But, uh, so it didn't go very long. It only went for about seven months, but it was actually amazing. I mean, it was, it was just being able to reopen that space 
and to be in that where everything happens. The legends and, of it, yes. Yeah, and it was interesting too. One of the the girl who actually promoted Studio Fifty Four, it was really the engine behind it, was this uh, lady named Carmen D'Alessio, who was really the person who brought a lot of celebrities back then to uh, Rebel and Traeger. She actually uh, did it with me, which made it really really. Cool. Yep, and I got one of and one and one of the publicists who worked the Studio Four back then was a music publicist. She actually did it with me. And we got a lot of the really, really um, original people to come back. Like, Dude, I remember that's... Lauren. Hutt- I remember Lauren Hutton coming and Sylvester Stallone and just a lot of these people. I think John Travolta. A, a lot of the original studio crowd, which was which was just fascinating to, to be a part of that history. Even though I had a very small part much later than its glory years, but it was just in yeah. Very, I was very honored to be. A little footnote in the history of that. But there's nobody better to try to, you know, to revitalize that, even if for just, you know, a window in time and bring everybody back that was there at the time, you know, all the big names and and all the historic people that were behind the scenes as well. (laughs) And and, and talking about the, what was her name, Laura, that, you know, was kind of the engine behind it. Oh, Carmen Delesky. Carmen Delesky, you know, that she can, you know, having these people, you know, that's a, you're a renaissance guy of nightlife, uh, at least New York City, but you should be in the Nightlife Hall of Fame for the whole fucking country, in my opinion. <laughs> I nominate well, Noel Ashman. <laughs> that's just my opinion, man. Listen, you've I been so <laughs> fucking grateful with your time. Three Days Rising coming out. Do we have a date for this yet when uh, Three Days Rising is going to be coming out or are you guys still working that out we well we just we just finished shooting it so we have to edit it we're probably hopefully be done with editing somewhere you know february i'm guessing um and then we're gonna worry about getting it out so it, it's just a little wise away but it, yeah. it is uh it's definitely a fascinating uh movie that i'm very very proud of yes. I mean, we have just amazing performances from like mickey rourke to ice t to frank whaley to i mean everyone involved in that movie to Bo Deedle, you know, with just incredible yeah. performances. So I'm like ex- extremely excited for people to see it. Well, listen, can we, we get ready to go into theaters? We'd love to have you back. You know, now that we know a little bit more about you know, or something like we want to make sure that we promote the film. It's going to be coming out in 2020, then it sounds like. Uh, look forward to seeing that in theaters. Amazing I'd, cast. I'd love to. Thank you so much, man. You've been so gracious with your time. Best of luck moving forward. A pleasure. Can't wait to Thanks come to uh, a birthday, birthday party here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Birthday party in New York City, man. That's, I can't think of anything better. <laughs> well, I'd love you to come. Let me know. Just let me know when you're coming. All right, man. We're going to do that. We, we know when your birthday is, too. So we'll be in touch. All right, Noel? You got it. All right. Thank you so, <laughs> Thank much. You so much. All right. Thank Noel you. Ashman, ladies and gentlemen. That's how you do it, Boz, right there. He's the man, Noel Ashman. Holy cool story, shit. Thanks, Olaf. You know, sometimes you just kind of get started with these people. And you're like, oh, God, you don't know if you're going to go 15 minutes or if you're going to go 30 or if you're going to go 45. I really like Noel Ashman. Or 55. He seems like a really like likable guy. I want to party with this guy. Long enough for Vane to get a nap in. Yeah.
All I did get on the phone with China, you know, start of the workday. <laughs> La China. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, like, hey, if there's a birthday party in New York City that I want to go to, I want oh, it to no be this shit. guy's. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, you don't know who's going to come by. Is it going to be him and Mark Wahlberg? Is it going to be, you know, Strahan? Is it going to be, you know, Vincey Young? I, that you would know, just you know, be fucking crazy. You just, you don't know. And I just want to, you know, like one, one time. Once you once you mentioned, you know, the story, the movie of his life, that brought him to a whole nother level. Yes. And he really went deep. Yes. And gave you those, gave those nuggets, you know. Yes. I yeah. wish I would have brought that up earlier, but it would fit more into the timeline to mention it towards the end. I didn't realize that it was going to drum up all of that history. His cast for Speedway Junkies is kind of a who's who's. Like what? Well, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. This is his first film first that he. Film, yeah. yeah, Jonathan yeah. Taylor Thomas, Daryl Hannah, Tiffany Amber Thiessen, Warren G, and the first film ever for Milo Ventimiglia, who is the guy from This Is Us. What? That's a, that's a really good movie, Speedway <laughs> Junkies. What? See now, now I wish I would have watched all of his films before talking to him. I mean, I'd seen Gotti, I had seen Clinton Road. Right, like the notable ones, but it's hard to watch. Oh, now I gotta watch Speedway Junkie. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Fucking the fuck, yeah. Noel Ashman, crazy this stories. motherfucker, man. Can you imagine? My son is 12 right now. <laughs> right, um, Kira is into problems. I love my son, but he has a hard time remembering to put a bowl in the sink. Right, <laughs> right? like I'm just like, hey. hey. Uh, believe me, no one knew what to do with the bowl when he was 12. Well, yeah, right. But I mean, I'm like, okay, so I'm just trying to think of a 12-year-old, 13-year-old saying, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and get my own apartment. This isn't working out. And organize a party for 15,000 people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's with 40 before, flyers. Before, before social media. And 40 flyers. Yeah. And cell phones. $5 beer. Running with the gangbangers so, and going to boarding school. Or, or Yeah. Or, My favorite you know. math problem in that interview was, well, you know, I was 16 and he was interning for like working for me and he was in college at the time. So <laughs> there's a fucking 20-something taking direction from a 16-year-old going, yeah, okay, yes, sir. Like he's 16, four years on his Can own in Can you go New get York me City. some coffee? Right. Oh, man. Love it. Good time. Great oldies. I don't know, man. This is uh, it's enlightening to hear about, and it, I can't wait to see a movie on Noel Ashman's life. You know no mean? shit. Live from the First Ave Radio Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota. This is FirstAveRadio.com. <laughs> <laughs>